This is Gardening Talkback and 49216216. That's the number to get your question through to us. Sky, you're in Rayworth. You've got a question for David. Yes, I've got a question. Yeah. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sky. Yeah. wondering what would be your top five fertiliser or additive to have in your garden shed for regular use? Um, I have an ornamental garden. I've pretty much in the last couple of years used up everything and I need to purchase again. And I just thought, what would be your top five recommendations to always have in your garden shed? That's an interesting one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, you can buy the slow-release fertilisers and fertilisers would have a a complete balance or range of fertilisers in there, Mm -hmm. minerals and that in in the fertiliser itself. So other than sort of looking at your main nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium and iron and that sort of product through there, you no need to sort of go buying those individually. So I guess I'd mainly look at the fact of what you're growing and if you have veggies, well, then you can go to, a, you know, there's a vegetable fertiliser which is higher in potash. Uh, no, it's just purely ornamental plants. It's, it's purely ornamental, yeah. Again, azaleas, that they like a little bit more acid, so I'd keep that separate, so have azalea camellia one. Your natives, the natives can be, some of your natives, especially gravillias and protosei, be temperamental as far as the uh, phosphorus in the soil, so that's again you go to a low uh, low phosphorus uh, fertilizer, so that'd be more just as a native one if you just follow through as a native fertilizer, and then you've got a complete one, just a general fertilizer, a general complete one which is higher in uh, phosphorus, potassium, and nitrogen. Uh, lawn fertilizer, you look at your lawn because um, if you you know if you treat your lawn, it's higher again in nitrogen and less in the others. So yeah, and another one I'd probably put on the shelf is uh, a liquid fertiliser because I do like the some of the liquids, especially the sea sole, the yeah. organic ones, um, a nitrosol, which is an organic blood and bone, and blood and bone is still a good old-fashioned fertiliser, oh, yeah, but it, it's very good. It feeds better in the winter. It'll slow release in the winter time, where a lot of other fertilisers will slow down in the winter. So blood and bone is still a, a good fertiliser for the colouring and, and for, mainly for growth for nitrogen, but slower acting. So those ones, yeah, is that so fine? Slow-release <laughs> fertiliser, um, a liquid one, soluble like sea salt, blood and bone, yeah. and a lawn fertiliser. Yeah, lawn, and, and you say you go your, your slow-release, or just your complete fertilisers. On the shelf is a lot of complete fertiliser, like complete ro- uh, ro- rose food, zaycamilla, um, you know, just pick out the categories that you're mainly working on probably, yeah. Well, yeah. Sky, right. I think that's yeah. probably okay. filled your shelf up for you now. <laughs> this is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. And we're taking your calls on 49216216. And Ben has rung in from Charlestown. Yes, hello, how are you? Um, I've got a mandarin tree in a large pot. Okay. In the last few years, I've been getting beautiful, normal size, very sweet fruit off it. I've only been getting about a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. This oh. year, uh, the fruit of just minuscule they're the tiniest and smallest there's a lot more of them Mm -hmm. but uh, it still hasn't ripened and normally it's an imperial and it normally ripens first in the season right right can you tell me what i've done wrong this time um maybe in the pot the soil could be getting a little bit claggy base maybe at the base of the pot so you lack of aeration lack of drainage you're feeding Uh it feeding it at all or feeding it the same or the same as yeah. I've done the last five yeah, years yeah. or so, yeah. Yeah, maybe a soil could be a little bit acid even over a period of time with it contained in the pot. Um, you can get a build-up and obviously it's not getting away as easy as it would in the soil mm. in the open ground because you've only got that small drainage at the base. Mm. And sometimes your potty mixes, some of the general, even you know, potty, most of the potty mixes over a period of time, the fines, if you're putting a bit of manure in there, the fines of all that material can settle to the base. 
which will uh, stop the sort of lack of aeration and uh, stop drainage a little bit. So it's the only area I could go to, mate, if you're sort of doing the same uh, as normal. So it probably wouldn't hurt just to, to take it out of the pot if you can. Just take it out, just refreshen the potting mix. Uh, even your roots, your roots may be a little bit tight and hard in the pot. Right. You know, like a bonsai, you just cut that away a little bit, just cut a little bit of the basal root off uh-huh. and tidy roots, just loosen them a little. They won't do them any harm. They're a fairly fibrous root system. So you could open them out a little bit and uh, so you, you're, what you're doing is putting into a new mixture, new potting mix that encourage a new root growth from your plant. And then we just carry on with your feeding uh, regime as you've been doing, yeah. Oh, fair enough. Right. Okay, I'd, then. I'd be fine to give it a go at that. You could try just lime in the top of the pot. It'll help to sweeten the soil, but I think I'd be inclined to just maybe repot and uh, check if there's a bit of fresh potting mix in that. Yeah, okay. yeah well, the, the small fruit that's on it now, which is only oh, a bit larger than a marble, uh-huh. uh, they're ripening, but it's way, way too yeah, late. Too, like yeah. it's about a month too late yeah. anyway. Too late and too small, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it sounds like the leaves good, good colour, or are they a little bit... Yes, uh, no, yeah, and yeah. it's right next to a lemon tree that I have, yeah. which is in the ground, and yeah. it's fruiting beautifully yeah, so yeah, yeah. i haven't changed anything in the last few years but uh, so what you say is probably correct yeah. i'll take it out yeah i'd go that way mate for sure all right then. all right okay, good, thank good you. on you thanks Sam. so do citrus trees generally do better in the ground than they do in pots <coughs> or does it depend on where you are yeah it depends but in the pot as i said yeah you know, obviously the roots are can only got that contained area to grow and uh, it comes a limit to it so so i feel you need to do something other if you're going to keep in the pot just repot and freshen the soil and cut the roots in a bit. But in the ground, Jane, obviously, yeah, they just keep on spreading their, their roots out into the soil. If you've got a you know, reasonable open area, just, they'll just keep going and um, you've got better aeration out there. Yeah, yeah. Now, David, well, we've also had a caller ring in Bill at Summerland Point, and he's not on the line, but he wants mm-hmm. to know if it's okay to put seaweed that he's collected from the lake onto newly planted roses. Um, seaweed is very good, an excellent product, but from the lake now, be careful. The old trick was obviously to just wash that seaweed out a little bit. If it's been sitting on the edge of the lake for a time and we've had all the rain we've had, it should be fairly safe. But if it, again, if it's tidal and the water has been coming up over the seaweed, um, there's going to be salt in there and that would cause a problem. That would create a problem. So what they generally do is put in a wheelbarrow, for example, and just wash it through the water and keep tipping it a couple of times. And uh, So basically washing your seaweed out, so just to wash the salt off the seaweed. And seaweed then is an excellent product. And, and your garden, roses yeah. love it. Yeah, oh, yeah not, a, not <laughs> a problem. Yeah. Lots most, of good most, natural. Most plants love it. Yeah, yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're taking yeah. your calls on Gardening Talk back today on 2 and URFM 49216216. Harry's rung in from Abermain. Got a question, Harry? Harry. Yes, good afternoon to you both. Afternoon. I'm an 81-year-old pensioner living alone, and I've taken an interest in... You sound younger than that, Harry. Sorry? You sound younger than that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I wish. I've taken an interest in cattleya orchids. Okay, yeah. And I've I've got a few in pots here now. I've Uh brought them inside because of the fact that we had a U-butte frost here this morning. Yeah, I believe it was the heavy ones in the valley, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and I'm wondering if there's uh, any liquid fertiliser I could give them to give them an extra boost. I've got some here, the slow yeah. release fertilizer, yeah. nitrofosca. Nitrofosca, that? yeah, that's used for orchids, yeah. yeah. But there is a liquid one. Well, there's a, well, not so much liquid, there's two powder forms uh, for orchids, and you can use on your cattleyas also. 
and one is for growth and one is for flowering. So it's, it's sold in two different colours. From memory, I think it's blue and yellow. Uh, so I've got to go back to which one is which now, but it's labelled quite clearly on the packet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a good way to go. There's an orchid food. There is an, another packet of orchid foods products, but that will be the easiest way. And uh, But if you go either way, because then when you need some good f- to help your flowers, uh, which should be, you, are they starting to flower now, those cats? A little bit earlier, didn't it, for them? Yeah, it's a bit early for them. Yeah, yeah, so you want more... Um, even growth now, growth will be okay, but once you get into the next couple of months, start to do the, the flower one, so then it helps your flowers come through, all right? Right. Yeah, but it'll give you all the, you know, directions on there, just the timing and that, but that'd be a better way to go, yeah. Yeah, what, what, is, what is the name of those products? It's just sold as an orchid fertiliser. Oh, right. It's orchid food. Uh, Campbell's had one out at one stage, and there's a couple of different uh, companies sell it. Yeah, just as an orchid fertiliser, orchid food, but uh, check for the individual ones as far as one for flowering and one for growing. Yes, that's very kind yeah. of you, David. Right. Thank not you so much. That's not a problem. My call. Your calls coming in on Gardening Talkback, 49216216, and David Ponman discussing all sorts of things. With those questions, and Leone is ringing in now from Head and Greta. Hello, David. How are you, Leone? I'm all right, thanks. I'm just wondering, is it too late to trim a jasmine back? Um, probably a little early, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just the ordinary flowering jasmine, the, the perfume jasmine, yeah, climbing jasmine. Shiny climbing jasmine. Yeah, thing. yeah, it was... Um, because there's the one with the shiny leaf, which is a jasminoides, and it's a white flowering in the spring. Yeah. The other one's the smaller leaf one, polyanthem, but it's a lot stronger grower. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more of a pinkish flower. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would have trimmed it back sort of when it finished flowering last season, but I didn't get around to it, and, and I'm just wondering whether it's still all right to trim it back or when's a good time. Well, you could do it now, actually, but the only problem, if you want it to flower and get the maximum flower, you're best to leave it because it'll flower on that wood, the last season's wood, the, the wood that's there. Okay. So you'll get the flowering. Once it's finished flowering, then you can cut it as hard as you like uh, and it'll shoot away from then and grow, you know, usually quite vigorously then through spring and summer. Yeah, well, so, that's what yeah. I was wondering yeah, about. Yeah. If I trimmed it back now, whether I'd lose any flowers yeah, or not. Yeah, you will, yeah. You'll lose the flowers. Or you, you, know, you won't lose them all, depending on how hard you cut it, but yeah. you'll certainly lose flowers. So if you want to make the maximum show out of it, just yeah. leave it now. And as soon as it's finished flowering, which is only a month or six weeks away, yeah. cut it then, and, and you can be cruel to it if you want to, and cut it hard, and okay. it'll come away quite well for you from then on. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Anne. Bye. Leonie and Sandra, now from Lemon Tree Passage. Yes, Sandra. Hi. Yeah. I've got succulents that I've um, oh, sort of propagated, you know, just by taking their leaves and that. Uh-huh. And I went out today and had a look at them all, a little one, and it, I don't know, scale affect them? Uh, yes, you can get a uh, small scale on them, a little brown or white scale. Yeah, it goes, yeah. Yeah, it's going, some of it's really big, yeah, hard, brown, is bubbly it? stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so just around the, what, the base of the, paint on the stems, just around um, the base of the stems. It's on the leaves. On the leaves too. Yeah, 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 it can. Have you got scale on other plants nearby or? No? Well, no, no, these no. were all sort of kept on their little own. Yeah, yeah. so unless it's been, unless it's been on the you know, original material you bought in, maybe. Yeah, maybe. The, the cuttings you, where you, you know, sort of got your cuttings from. Because it really soggy. Yeah, I've basically just thrown out quite a few of them. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. you know, just jellyfied or something. 
So it's not a fungus. It's not a fungus from the wet weather and the moisture. Well, they haven't been out in the rain. Okay, they've kept dry. Yeah, they're indoors. Yeah, yeah. indoors, and your soil's soil's dry and air yeah. circulation stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if a scale, <coughs> yeah, it is possible. Um, there's a product called anti scale malascale. It's white oil and malathine mixed together. Yeah, I've been using um, That's the pest best. oil. And yeah, yeah. Scale. If you do that, yeah, pest yeah. oils are right. Yeah, especially yeah. indoors, you don't want you know too much of the chemical around. So if you if you use the chemical, put it outside and spray and leave it out there for a day or so. Yeah, but well, um, actually out like in a screened-in area. It's not okay, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. sounds ideal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Now that's all right. But the pest oil, just uh, if you find it's not clearing as well with the pest oil, because the pest oil is good, it'll soften the scale and eventually it will clean it up. But the malathion will get into the plant, and the insect will take the malathion in. Oh, and, okay. and kills the insect and then your scale will soften and, and fall away. So that's why I use the two together, the malathion and the white oil. Okay, then. But then if, once you, you know, clean the infestation up, then do a regular spraying of pest oil and that keeps it, that'll keep it free then of the insect coming back again. So if you do it that way, that's your best bet. The pestles, you know, you can use that with the malathion oud if you want to. Yep. Yeah, you can do it that way. But, uh, but just keep an eye on it from there. But if it's, is it hard and lumpy? It is still hard. Yes, it yeah, is hard. it sounds like scale. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's what yep. some of it's tiny, like the little, yeah. you know, spot. Yeah. And other areas sort of really, it's quite big, the size yeah. of the thumbnail. Yeah, no. And it's really hard. Yeah, so there, there are some hard ones. It's soft, soft shell scales and hard scale, little so small, like yellow, brown. No. Yeah, yeah, when it's hard to take it to slip, you can't flick it away too easily, sort of thing. No, no, no and no, it's so. just, yeah, they look, you know, they've got brown, all these brown marks all over them, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, okay, so, so the, the only other thing would be, would be a rust or a fungus, like a rust on them. Right, right yeah. So yeah. But it's generally not too large a rust. They're more postules are sort of just smaller. You know, rust marks all, all over the plant. Oh, no. When you mention the rotting, that's a worrying little bit where there's maybe a rust. So just have a look at such, but then back to a fungicide like mangazeb. Yeah, 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 All right. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. And uh, what about soap and water, David? Does that work with scale? Um, you'd have to keep fairly constant, but yeah. You'd yeah, have to keep it, doing it. Would, it. Yeah, it would be mm. worth the go, especially if it's not a uh, bad infestation and, and at a younger stage, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, it would work on it, but you'd have to... Yeah, be regular. Yeah. And this is Gardening Talk Back, and we are taking your calls, and we are now going to Cole, who's rung in from Rutherford. Cole? Yes, uh, we've got a white azalea that doesn't flower. Right. The other yeah. ones that were put in there, they're full of flowers, but that one's never flowered. Okay, it's interesting, yeah. Was yeah. it bought, bought as a... <coughs> Excuse me, bought as a plant from, you know, nursery, yeah. something like that, as yeah. a range of azaleas. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I think. Over pots and everything else, but yeah. still one flower. It sounds like it might be a little bit of a dud. It shouldn't be a seedling. Generally, all that sort of stock is grown from cutting, and it should be taken off a plant that sort of grows, you know, a cutting one. But uh, for some reason, rather, unless it's uh, slipped in as a seedling somewhere, and that's, you know, that seedling's just not doing its thing like the others do. Mm. Um, mate, it's not a. Real, uh, if your others are flowering and growing and it's in the same soil, um, it's a bit of a hard one. It's the only thing you do is sort of go to potash and, you know, a little bit extra potash. But you have to treat that plant individually with the potash, you know, in that sort of uh, autumn period before the autumn into early winter before the flowers start in the winter spring. 
and uh, see if that helps. But uh, so there's nothing there come through at all, and they fall or get damaged or any, in any way. No, no nothing in the way of bud. No, no, no. I'll say it's either potash on it. That's the one out of the firebox. Yeah, you can put potash out of the firebox. Yeah, you can use that, or you can buy sulphate of potash also as a chemical in the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But start that uh, late summer autumn. Started early because it breaks down, takes a little while to break down to get into the plant. But other than that, mate, maybe, uh, I'd maybe sort of look at another variety, grab another plant and, uh, replace him. It could be a little bit of a dud in life, so, you know, yeah. as, right, as right happens right, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. All right. I suppose it does happen yeah, occasionally, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? That's yeah. a bit of a pity. Do yeah. they always flower as soon as they're planted? I mean, do Gen- they normally, yeah. apart Gen- from this one? <laughs> generally <laughs> flower from early stage. Jane. The very yeah, next yeah, season. Yeah, mm. yeah or cuttings and, uh, even the young cutting, if the cutting's sitting in a, small pot for a little while it'll still often throw that one or two flowers yeah, okay so, yeah. well stockton yeah, sounds yeah. like a nice yeah. place to be on a yeah. sunny day like today joan's yeah. rung in from stockton hello joan joan hello hello how are you oh, i just lovely day to be in the garden yeah, that's right it is a nice day joan. <laughs> yeah. what i'm yeah. ringing about my hibiscus that's not a problem they're just flowering why is it that the, the, the Hawaiian ones and the, yeah. uh, all the others, they're lovely well, flowers on them? Yeah, well, I suppose for a start, you're in a good area for hibiscus and Stockton and a uh, nice yes. and warmer area on the coast and frost-free and lots of stuff. But yes. uh, you'll find, though, well, they'll flower through into the, you know, right through the year once, you know, or well, through They've the winter after printing. They've like this before, through the winter. No, as I mentioned earlier on there, mate, from uh, Rutherford had his uh, passion fruit start to shoot. And I've noticed you know, with stock at home at, and the nursery and that, it's starting to, you know, some things are starting to grow. So we've had yeah. some, a couple of cold spells through and they're getting a little bit of frost in the valley yeah. now. But in general, the weather hasn't been too bad, I don't feel. And we had the rain, uh, had that rain, and then we get a bit of good sunshine yeah, after well, that's, it. Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. But yeah. I don't think nature knows what's happening. No. The flowers don't know. No, that's right. It confuses them sometimes, Jane. Oh, You're right. They're yeah, confused, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Well, it's, it's just... The, yeah. the weather, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they'll keep on doing that now. So you find you'll have to probably prune those, some of those nice flowers off in the spring to prune your hibiscus back. But that's another month or so away yet. So, well, where you are, in the middle of August, you can start looking at that and uh, prune them down so you can get a, you know, better plant, bushier plants and uh, more wood on them for more flowers next summer and autumn. This is Gardening Talkback and your calls, 49216216. We've got David here until one thirty. And Shirley has joined us from Rathmines. You've got a question for David, Shirley. Yes, good yeah. afternoon. I afternoon, just, Shirley. Two quick questions, David, if you don't mind. You're all right. Um, curl grubs that, that get into the soil in the pot plants. Uh-huh, yes. Is there anything you can wash into the soil to uh, kill them? Yeah, a product called Bathroid. It's uh, for plants and the soil. It'll, uh, if you water that in or drench it into the soil, yeah, yeah. other than if it's in pots and... You feel so it's fairly, uh, fairly bad. You can again take the plant out of the pot. Oh, yeah, mo- big mo- pots, David. Are they? Okay, trouble. yeah, They're yeah. Huge. yeah. The, the, I've noticed 20 odd in smaller pots, so I can imagine what would be in the yeah, bigger pots. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that many is it, yeah. And so yeah, those smaller bays, ones. Are, what was it, David? Bays uh, what? Bathroid. Bathroid. Yes. B A Y T H R O I D. Oh, good. And also, those smaller ones, if you can take some out and, and get rid of them and then repot into a fresher mix, it would be a good way to go. Yes, I so, have been doing yeah, that. Yeah, some you can handle. Just the yep. big ones that I'm worried yep. about yep. with yep. the um, geraniums and things in it. Um, Nodding violet, you know, right. the plant. Yeah, yeah, yes. What makes them go so ratty? 
this time of year, probably more than anything. That, no, that, not a fungus. No, generally, no, well, it can be if it is a well, basically the, a fungus or a bacteria created by the weather conditions. Oh. But um, given the right weather conditions, it's, it's okay. You can spray, but uh, that at this time of year, if it's a little bit of a cooler spot, a shady spot, and, and a bit of too much moisture, mm. you'd find that you get some spotting in the leaf and even in the stems and some damage. But so keep it uh, obviously in a, a drier area, good air circulation, the yeah. warmer spot as you can. If you can do all that and not overwater it, you should be okay. And then once the spring, once it starts to shoot again, trim it back, feed it, and then it'll go away for your new growth. Yeah, if you, it, oh, I just wanted thought it might, might might have been missing something. I thought it might have been a fungus, but all no, right, well, as I say, can, yeah, it can be created by the conditions. If you're yeah. worried, you, mangozeb would probably be your best way to go. Good, uh, as a fungicide, but if you can create those better conditions for it and, and keep it in a you know that's a nice warm drier area uh, you'll find it'll, it'll handle it okay for you all right this is gardening yeah. talk back and we're taking your calls and we are now moving to adamstown heights and louise louise hi yeah. how are you good time so good thanks yeah. i've just got a question about some sweet peas that i've planted this year back in march uh-huh. i've put them in a pot this time because last year in the garden they didn't do very well at all uh-huh. they've gone absolutely crazy um, and I just wanted to know, how often should I be watering them? Uh, again, just keep them moist. They're in pots in outside. In, yep. Yeah, so they're getting the weather and the rain and that on them. <clears throat> yeah, you're probably... Well, now we're getting this sort of weather now. Obviously, up until a week ago or two or three days ago, it's been, uh, you know, sort of constant sort of odd showers and cool. Uh, and that cooler weather, a bit of cloud, and they haven't dried as quick. But now with this weather, a bit of wind, uh, some sunshine and that, you'll find that you, know, you probably every second day, I'd imagine you have to do it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, especially if you're getting a bit of size and, uh, and you, you know, the pots are, you know, they're large in comparison to the plant or hold a lot of soil. That um, yeah, they do. Yeah, if they're fairly large pots and you're, you're holding a fair bit of soil, but every couple of days, it's not going to do them any harm as long as you've got, if you've got good drainage, yep. if you're worried, but you should get two to three days at this time of year. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. And should I feed them with some sea salt oh, every would, couple yeah, of weeks? Yeah, it wouldn't do them any harm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we right. mentioned earlier on there's some complete fertiliser that you can actually put into the soil for, for your annuals and just complete plant food. Uh, blood and bone, again, another one, or the liquid fertiliser, sea salt, is very good, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, right. then. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Anne. Bye. And lots of work to do, uh, Louise. And now it's Elaine from Charlestown. Elaine. Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, I've bought um, some Roundup. I have lots of weeds that are coming through my pavers. Is it all right to use that this time of the year? Yes, yeah, it's okay. It's a little bit slower acting now. Um, with it being cooler in the winter, it's a bit in the grow and the plant's not growing as quick, but it's a little bit slower. But it, it will still do the job. All you need to do is, you know, mix it as directed. Um, if you're spraying, just a little small sprayer, a small atomized sprayer, or if you one of those wands, they're still around, the, the weeding wands or the wands or a paintbrush, stuff like that you can use and uh, uh, just dab it on. So as long as you wet the foliage is the main trick. Yeah, that's the main thing. We'll wet the foliage and uh, it'll go down into the roots and kill it that way. Yeah. All right, then. You, you, don't, okay. you don't have to sort of keep spraying. You can soak into the soil and the edge of the pavers as long as you wet those plants and have the moisture all, and the weed killer on the, on the leaf all over the plant, you'll be okay. It'll knock it off. And with huh? the um, showers that are around this time mm-hmm. of year, how long before it should rain? Uh, if you can get a couple of hours, it'll still work. Yeah, a little longer the better. But uh, now the trick is uh, even just detergent, just the washing up detergent. 
and you only need a two teaspoonful or tablespoonful if you like in a uh, in a watering can, an equivalent nine nine litre container. And um, it's quite, obviously it can't do any harm because you only put on weeds anyway. But that'll help the the weed decide to stick onto the uh, onto the plant. Okay. So you do that first, and then put the herbicide on. No, no, no. Just mix it with the herbicide. Oh, <coughs> mi- mi- yeah. Mix your herbicide up. Put the detergent, so that detergent into your with your herbicide. Just stir it with a stick. And uh, not with your hand, <laughs> and stir it with a stick. Not being funny, I have seen that done. <laughs> but it's, and then a tablespoonful. Yeah, that's all you need. And uh, just, you know, as long as you mix it up properly, you just mix it around and then just spray it on your plant. Yeah, and it's wet uh, your foliage. You say and detergent, is that wash up detergent yeah, or yeah. the washing powder? Yeah, no, wash up detergent. Yeah, just wash the detergent, powder. liquid one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. All right, good on you. Thanks, Thanks Elaine. Right, and detergent, can you actually use that quite a bit in your garden, David? Mainly for those weedicides that we do. If you're looking at. Um, uh, insecticides on plants, well then we'd obviously, you know, we look at more of the white oil or the pest oil. And again, that'll yeah. do the same thing to help it to adhere to the, to the plant. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But for the weeds, obviously it doesn't matter, we're getting rid of them anyway, so we can damage them if we like. So. <laughs> <laughs> David Ponman taking your calls for 2 and UIFM's gardening talk back today, 49216216. And we do have, of course, a gift pack for one of our lucky right. callers. Yeah. And David, what have we got in it? So in the, uh, the rosary, you mentioned the rosary plant, and this today we've got a, a choice of, but this uh, one we bought in was Tuscan Blue, which is one of the newer varieties. It's and a very pretty one. it it's is. It's a nice one, a darker colour. And we mentioned we've got, you know, there's a pink one now and a, a barbecue one. And, and, and a glippily one. A <laughs> one and a prostrate one. So there's a number of rosaries now, and they're, they're a good hardy plant. They're good, still a good, uh, good shrub. Flower well, and they're quite hardy and adaptable to most areas, cold and dry, what have you. So uh, they are a good thing. And uh, a couple of our little goodies, pest oil, which we've spoken about a couple of times through the show also, as far as um, spraying your plants to guard against insects and scale and what have you. Um, and also citrus leaf mine, so guard against that if you keep using it regularly. And Aquamagic, which is a storage granules to uh, hold moisture in your soil or your pots. And harvest and little packet satchels to harvest liquid fertiliser. There you go. <laughs> To in your RFM's a gardening talkback, and we are taking your calls on four nine two one six two one six. That's the number that June has rung in from Redhead. What would you like to ask, David? June, um, David, yes, I'm June. just wondering with liliums, um, they're in uh, like there's five of them in a sort of a bunch sort of thing. Can I split them at all or separate them? Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay. okay, so they're, they're... is that very difficult because I've never used done them before at all? No, so they're in a pot, are they? No, well, I was given them for my birthday uh, and they came in a box and uh, they're in plastic at the moment and they're starting to sort of sprout through the, the oh, plastic okay. already, yeah, okay. but so they are in clumps and I just wondered, uh, there's in about five in the clump. So, yeah. So, just putting them all in together like Yeah, that. okay, now that shouldn't be a problem. Um, Without seeing them, there may be some little ones there that are sort of not quite adult on their own, you know what I mean? They're not as large corms, so just, just a bulb, so just check that if, if they seem a bit smaller and they may be just, you know, growing from that larger one, mm-hmm. and they may not sort of, that's a new growth coming from that larger one. Yeah. Well, when yeah, I got so, them, they were supposed to be five. Okay. Like five of each, five different colours, okay. sort of thing, and there were supposed to be five in each one, and yeah. I, I hadn't looked at them, so I, 
I thought it was five separate ones, but uh, when I looked at them, they're in the class. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Yeah, they should have mm. been separate, I would imagine, but uh, if they're just touching as such then, uh, you might find just the little fibrous roots might be even just joining them together if you haven't actually pulled them out. But mm. uh, but no, that, that won't hurt. If they're fairly solid and large a bulb yeah. and they've got that corm and the, an eye on them that's going to shoot away, okay. yeah, they'll be fine, just sort of slice yeah. them down. The if they're shot away. Should no. I cut that back when I put them in? No, no, just leave that go. Just leave just it. Just leave it go and let it keep growing, yes. Alright, yeah, yeah. okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good luck so, with that June yeah, yeah, and right. we're heading off to Neath now and Cheryl Ann, you've got a question for David. I do, I have a couple of questions about camellias. Right. Um, okay, the first one is I've got some seedlings that have come underneath our plants and okay. I wanted to know when and how to transplant them and if they can go into pots. Uh, yeah, they can go into pots and a uh, good time to do it would be now before they start growing too much again in the spring. You've got, you know, probably a month or so yet anyway, Cheryl Ann, to do that. But, uh, don't leave it too late and they start to grow. Once they're starting to grow, you're going to disturb the roots and that can set them back again. But if you dig them out now, just get a spade, little shovel spade underneath, lift them. They won't have big roots on them and just gradually pull them apart or lift them up. If, if they're individual, just lift them up and put, place them into your pot. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how big they are, like I shouldn't leave them in there till they're a certain size? No, no, no. The, the younger the better, they'll shift easier that way. Yeah, you okay. know, without Without disturbance, and once you put them into your pot, uh, even say a smaller pot, they'll grow in that pot. And whilst they're contained in that size container, that pot, you, then you can move them on really at any time of the year. It won't matter. But if they're growing in the ground and the roots are sort of running freely in the soil... Um, to disturb the root, you know, if you need to, if they're big enough that you need to disturb them and cut the root or break the root a little bit, you're better to do it when they're based on the dormant stage, which is now, yeah. Which is, uh, okay, which will move me on to my next question. Yeah. The, the parent trees, mm-hmm. if we do need to move them, because we may need to in the next 12 months, right. would, would I just do it at this time of year? Yeah, again, I was going to say, mention that because I was going to say with larger plants with azale, uh, camellias and azaleas and those sort of plants, this is the best time to do that, even though if they're flowering, uh, doesn't necessarily, won't necessarily hurt the flower. Um, they will transplant quite easily as a, once you uh, dig around them. And at this time of year, they're sort of, well, they're flowering, but they're basically dormant as far as growth. So conifers, all those sort of things. Natives are a bit different, but uh, again, if you're going to do it, this is the time of year to do it. But with your camellia, if it's a bit of size, um, yes, that autumn winter period, you know, it's just a bit, certainly before spring, before they shoot away. But if you spade right around and uh, just spade then in underneath, they're fairly fibrous root systems. So depending on the size of the tree, the, the weight on it and how many people you need to maybe move it, but uh, you might need help from hubby. But uh, if you can do that, that's fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll handle it okay. Yeah, Yeah, right. and can we cut them down? Will that hurt them? Is this the time of year to sort of do a bit of a trim at the top? Uh, again, they're flowering. So as soon as they're finished flowering, so Sasanquas are autumn flowering. They're basically finished. Your japonicas are your large flowering ones, if that's the one now you have. We've got uh, both. Yeah, sounds like the sasanka with the seedlings, they will do that more so than the japonicas. But right. um, if you need to prune them, once they finish flowering, um, they're not going to grow a lot now, they were starting, but another month, three or four weeks, so as soon as they start to shoot, you need to prune them as quick as you can then, because uh, once they do that, they get a really good heavy flush of growth in the spring. And then they'll grow steady from there on. So your main growth is, on uh, Zay's Camus, the same. Uh, main growth is that spring period once they, they shoot away. So, yes, yes so, uh, if, so if you're going to prune them over the next month or so, it would be ideal. Well, as I said, wait until they finish their main flowering. And as soon as that flowering is basically finished, cut then. And uh, you can be cruel if you want to. They'll handle it. And uh, they'll shoot away with that spring growth, yeah. 
Excellent. Okay. That's wonderful. Right. Thank you very okay. much. Gardening Talk Back is the program, 49216216, the number. And Robert's rung in from Rankin Park with a question for David. Uh, Robert. Uh, hello, Robert. Hello, Robert. Uh, yeah. Yes, I am here. I might call out, Dave. I'm up in Musselbrook. Okay. Um, uh, I have a, dendro- a native dendrobium that's covered in spikes, and every year the ants attack the flowers. Okay. I've tried, I've tried antlers, but as soon as it rains, uh, that, that doesn't work, so eventually they've come back. Is there any way to deter the ants or keep the ants off until at least they finish flowering? Uh, I don't know any way to deter, and I, I guess one of you, you know, we mentioned pest tool and those things, maybe to uh, put on the, deter them from sort of moving onto your plant and, and crawling, you know, crawling across your plant. That's the only way I can see. My other one, as you said, try the products as uh, ant deterrents or ant uh, killers. Well, around, around the base of the plant and just around the area in the soil. Do you spray into that? Is that what you've been doing, is it? No, yeah. I have them on rocks. I have them yeah, okay. and, and, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but just yeah. around, just around the base of the rocks and around the base of the plant and that. Have you, you tried to spray, you spray around that area, do you? And they still keep well, coming I've, in. I've been putting, I've been putting liquid air grid in, yeah. uh, in yeah. uh, shells and everything I possibly yeah. can to try and keep the water from rock washing away, but, uh, I'm up to now, even looking at ant dust or something yeah. like that, put a dust around the bottom. That's right, there is a dust, yeah. That's, that's the only way I can see to go. As I said, the pest oils and oil would probably deter to a certain degree, but I think the best bet is to try and get a, you know, one of those products around the, down yeah. the rocks and around the base of the rocks, yeah. uh, powder, or just spray the whole area, you know, I'll say the whole area, just the immediate area around those plants. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that'd be the best way to go. There's a, a couple of products on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. Staghorn and an elkhorn, will they grow from the same tree? From the, how do you mean, from the same tree? Well, can you put a staghorn and an elkhorn oh, yeah. from the same tree? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's not a problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, probably once you could never get the two to grow on a one tree. Well, I don't know why not. I can't see why not. Because you, you can get a couple of stags to grow on one, and I don't see why, unless you meant you might not find it often in nature. But if you had the individual plants, I can't see why you couldn't do the two on the one. Yeah, I'll because there's, there's similar growth habits and similar plants, and same same yeah. genus. Yeah, and yeah. then you can report to us. That's right. Let us know how you go. I'll let you know. All right. Good know, on I you. Just, I don't. I don't want to lose a stag. I can keep moving the elk. I'll keep. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. The <clears throat> yeah. No, Thank I, you. I can't see a problem. Thanks, mate. Thanks for that, yes, and fine. good luck. And uh, Brad, who's yeah. from Seam, you've got a question for David. Yeah, Brad. Hi, David. Yeah. How are you? Good time, sir. Very well, thank yeah. you. Um, just a question on a weeping apricot. Um, we have a location in our new garden that we'd like to place a weeping-style plant. Okay, yes. Uh, we believe the weeping apricot has more of a pinky tone. We're wondering if there's something that has more of a red or white tone that has that same weeping habit. In um, weeping, as far as the flower colour, no, fl- in the, the foliage the hanging foliage, down. Yeah, foliage colour. Yes. Um, tell me a couple of crab apples, the, the malice or crab apple. Uh, yeah. Cherry. Yeah, there was one variety of cherry has a little bit of reddish in it, but see, so prunus and all that. A uh, prunus bleriana nigris. Um, a reddish foliage, but then they're more upright. So the only other weeping one then would be back to your maples. Right, they're not, uh, you've got some of the maples, there's Atropurpurum, Sardar, the uh, Dissector maple. Yep. They're, they're grafted and weeping and they're fully sort of uh, burgundy colour. 
the leaf as the whole thing is a burgundy colour. Shadar is your better one, better colour. And but they wouldn't a, throw a flower then, no, would they? No, they're only foliage, mate. Yeah, they're just foliage. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're just, yep. but for foliage, for the year round, they've got the better colour. So yep. there are a couple of cherries. I think it was one of the cherries that has, and also, well, your colour can come back into, um, as far as, uh, autumn toning, if you get some of them will colour better in the autumn, uh, yep. cherries are probably colour a little bit better, but malice, there is a darker leaf malice, but I'm not sure about a grafted one, and it could be a little bit difficult to find, because yep. the weeping, when I say grafted, they're all grafted, and those grafted weepers, um, are not as uh, abundant in our area I guess and where you are see them they'd be okay they should grow okay with a reasonable yep. depth of soil good soil but uh, yep. some of the weepers and the cherries that are not as happy in our climate as they are in colder climates right? Okay, so, uh, but yep. you, you probably yep. find you know even though the, the walls end if there's a particular one you're looking for they can probably suss it out for you anyway and, and just mm, see what's yep. available alright that might uh, be the best thing yeah, yeah. just while I've got you on the same planting that hasn't happened yet they're, at the moment they're all bare root stock most of it's in containers now. The boys, uh, most of the growers or most retailers now put in container. Um, okay. But they're, yeah, so until they grow, the soil's just going to fall away at the moment if they sell it. But that's yeah. not a problem. They're basically going in bare rooted. But they do that to obviously to hold the moisture in the plant and to keep the roots moist. Um, yeah. Years ago, it was all bare rooted stock. I don't think many are doing it these days. I did find someone in yeah. Sydney the other day, a retailer, but uh, mostly they do, um, they put them in containers for ease of handling and ease of selling and also keep the plant moist. Yeah, yeah. All right? Okay, well that, that's fine. I, I was, I just didn't understand the, the principle of the bare rooted stock. That yeah, was the bare rooted, uh, just quickly, if we've got a, if we've got a second, Jane, just, um, <coughs> it, um, all of, all those plants are grown in the ground, <coughs> generally down south, Victoria. And uh, they're grown in the ground, and then in the winter time, uh, they're dug out of the ground. Again, we mentioned camellias and deciduous trees the same. They're dormant. They're without their leaf. They've gone to sleep. You dig them this time of year, which is the best time to do that. They can't do them any damage as long as you keep the roots moist. So that's the main trick. So that's why I dig them out. And from there in, you can sell them. You know, some nurseries in the old days, we used to have, we'd hoole them into sawdust. And then as people wanted to purchase them, we'd just sell them out of the sawdust and put them in a wrap them up in hessian or whatever it may be a straw i'm going back a bit now mate don't worry <laughs> but uh but that was a go but as the years went by for ease of presentation ease of handling they go straight into containers so that's the main idea they're dug out of the ground uh trimmed back a bit and then and sold as that time of year is the best time to move them out of the soil so that's where they're then planted in a new position into the gardens and then out of pots you can so we uh, we can move them around all year round so if nurseries have them plant them around the pots and if you would only buy it until September, October or December, whatever it may be, uh, that plant's still growing in the container, then you can plant it straight out of the customer, uh, can plant it straight out of the container into the ground. There's no damage to it. That's the whole idea, yeah. It's 29 past one, and we're just wrapping up Gardening Talkback. And David Ponman, we need a winner for our prize package. We need a winner, Jane. This is the, hard, this is the hardest part, you know. This, this they're all such good questions, <laughs> no, no, they're aren't they? are all nice people and good questions. But Ben at Charlestown, well, Ben seemed pretty keen there. He's mandarin and worried about his mandarin going, growing and other plants, I hope. So um, so Ben from Charlestown. Ben, if you're listening, uh, we've got seven days, I believe, until next Monday to collect these little goodies, the Pestol and the Acromagic and the Rosemary <coughs> from Walls End Nurseries, yeah, the Lake Road Walls End, the corner of Lake Road and Crowders. And then right? you'll yeah, yeah. have a great fun with all of that. Yeah, Thank yeah, you, David that's Ponman. Okay. That's all right. Pleasure, <laughs> Jane. Good, to, good speaking to you. Again. And right, gardening. Talk back. We'll yeah. return next Monday <laughs> after the midday news on 2NURFM.